Hello and welcome to All Things Albion, the podcast dedicated to West Bromwich Albion. Please welcome my co-host back on the 15th of January 2011 when West Brom beat Blackpool 3-2. He was there and so was I. How are you, Steve? I'm all right, mate. Thank you. Very good. And yes, I was there. We were there, pal. We were. It was an odd and wingy double and uh, James Morrison scored. Odd and wingy scored in the 87th minute to uh, seal the victory after Taylor Fletcher equalised in the 80th minute for Blackpool. I remember Blackpool back then. I'm pretty sure Charlie Adams was still playing for him and Ian Holloway was the manager. And they were just a... Uh, yeah, they, they they did well for a couple of seasons, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Under Holloway, um, but obviously faded away. And uh, It's a shame, that is. It's tragic, really. I mean, they're a really, really old um, established football club. They were quite, quite big in the day, Blackpool. Um and uh, yeah, it's a shame that uh, what's happened to them. But they had their moment in the sun and then disappeared. I don't want that to happen to us. No, very true. So uh, we've got the Sunderland game to react to. Triple C's comments, as always. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about transfers, unbelievably. I didn't think we'd be talking about that this season, but we are. And then we've got a couple of other things as well to talk about. Get them so, transfers that you stick on your arm, is it like, you know, when you're a kid? Oh, what, like the like a Batman tattoo or a yeah, that's tattoo it. Or like, like that. Soaking yeah. with water and patting yeah. down and, <laughs> yeah, and peel off well. the top. Well, there is been that's the only buggers we're going to make, isn't it? Well, there are there is transfer talk, so we are going to cover it. I know. I mean, considering this this financial state, but anyway, let's focus on the football. Let's focus on the game first. So we lost two one to Sunderland. Um, just to run through the the, the starting lineup, so it's Palmer, Furlong, Keypre, Bartley, Townsend. Malumbi, Mowat, Dean Garner, Swift, Samiento, Maja. Um, Malumbi was in for OK due to a suspension. Um, Swift was back in the starting lineup because I don't think he started in the last game. I think he came on. Um, he, did, for, he did. He came on against Leicester, didn't he? That's right. And then obviously a start for Maja. I think it might be his first start. Maja was his first start after four months with us. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, first of his... August he joined us on. Really, and that was his first first start. start. Yeah, we've had some injury problems, haven't we? And it doesn't look like any better. But anyway, so um, starting lineup. Any complaints or thoughts or or happiness when you saw that, or were you just sort of well, I remember just, just interest in Triple C. Well, I am a bit like that. Yeah, I mean, but not blindly uh, trust in in Triple C. I mean, I wanted Magic to start against Leicester. If you remember, I said on the last poddy, um, and I think. I was glad to see that he started this time because we need somebody who can hold the ball up. I saw somebody on social media talking about uh, one of the good things that um, Asante does is hold the ball up. And I've got to be honest, I've got a bit of an issue with that, to be honest. That's one of my things about uh, BTA. I I think that's something he needs to work on. Um, And so I was glad to see uh, Madja there. Um, But of course, you can't do anything about, uh, okay, can you? I mean, he'd be a starter for me every time, of course. Um, and yeah, I, you know, well, everything else, everything else was as it as it could have been. I'm starting to wonder a little bit about um, what was going on with Pippa uh, because he he sort of like disappeared a little bit. Um, we saw him, you know, briefly, um, and of course he uh, he made an appearance, obviously, of course, in in this game. But uh, you know, he's been he's been a little bit in the shadows just recently. I was a bit concerned about that, but I think. There's a player in there. Um, so anyway, enough said on that. Really, to be honest with you, mate, uh, I, I was I was happy with the lineup to start. Yeah, 
And then um, going into the game, Sunderland had a goal ruled offside. It was an offside. It was nowhere near offside. Um, and then Magic got an injury. Um, it's almost like a scissor tackle, really. Boots off the, or just sort of boots off. One of the one of his boots was off the uh, off the floor. I thought it was a bad tackle at the time. I said it was a sending off. The referee gave a um, a booking, and for balance. And I know people will be like, "Oh," but I thought the officiating was really bad on this game. In, in this game, for both sides, obviously their their goal shouldn't have been ruled offside. I think it was a sending off. He then went on to score to make it one nil. Um, Townsend, towards the end of the game, we're attacking, trying to get an equaliser. The ball gets lumped up into the um, stratosphere, comes down. Townsend tries to control it, does well, controls it okay, I suppose, but then slips over to let Sunderland through, and then they make it two. It was very, very similar to the uh, Leicester goal. Uh, I mean, I think at the time I thought bloody hell, twice in two weeks we've sort of been attacking and then caught on the break. But then BTA popped up, came on as a sub, a nice little cross from Pipper, I think it was. And uh, BTA pops up and, and loops it over the goalkeeper, I suppose, the header, the best way of putting it. And then we were on the ascendancy, trying to get an equaliser. And then right at the end, Sarmiento beat the, I don't know who the right back was or, or the player, the Sunderland player was, but beat their, their, that player. And then you could say shoulder bars, you could say pushed. Uh, I personally thought it was a penalty. I've seen them given, um, but anyway, didn't wasn't to be, and we ended up losing 2-1. And something I will say as well before I hand over to you, mate, yes, the referee was poor, but so was West Brom. It wasn't a very good performance. People said it was probably our worst performance of the season. And look, I don't want to be too negative. Triple C's done an amazing job. And, um, you know, the team has done well, but... I think on the whole, it probably was one of our worst performances of the season because we just didn't see him at the races. Whether it was injuries of caught up with us, whether it was Ake's um, suspension, but whatever it was, we just we were second best, really. I think it's an accumulation of uh, of issues, really, with uh, with Albion because against Leicester, we we were disjointed certainly in the first ten or fifteen minutes of the first half, and then again in the first ten or fifteen minutes in the second half. Um, we couldn't complete passes or if we did complete them then we miscontrolled them um and we were you know we we were ma- we're making a mess of things that which really at this stage of the season we shouldn't be you know and i'm not talking about players under pressure making a mistake i'm talking about just can't control the ball so and those things irritate me i, I can't help it you know he, I, against leicester I, I wasn't i wasn't disappointed in in the overall in the end up if you like, in the in the final summary of things. I wasn't that unhappy, and I was, as I said, we've talked about Leicester, but I was quite happy in the end. I, you know, didn't didn't hurt me too much that we lost in the end of that. But once again, we made that error, and we missed the opportunity to trip the kid up, Like, and I complained about it. Well, now, you know, and then against Southampton, um, we just didn't mark their leading scorer near our, in our penalty area, near our six-yard box unforgivable and then and then we just give the ball away we drop the ball's dropping out the sky and we can't control the ball and deal with it mm. and once and then we just give them a goal as a result of that these these mistakes are basics and i'm not going to i keep saying i'm not going to dig somebody out it doesn't matter who the individual is really to me um 
but they should if and when people say oh well you know that was a bit of a shame if we should learn from that well the amount of mistakes that west bromwich albion have made over the last few years we should never make a mistake again if that was the case <laughs> should be geniuses we should be you know we should be able to do these basic things properly and it's costing us it's I don't know whether we, we're even entitled to be in the top six when you think about the state of the club. But because of Triple C and because he's got into the heads of the players, we are in an unbelievably good position for, for the state of the club. And what we're doing now is undo the good situation that we've got going on. If I was Triple C, I think I would literally be pulling my hair, hairs out because you think... You can't legislate for that sort of thing, can you? No, it, it must be so frustrating. The bloke is so diplomatic and he's so cogent at the end of the games when he talks about it, and which you will no doubt go into, mate. Um, but you just I just feel for him. I just think, oh, my God, what's he going to say about that? But you know what he's going to say. He's going to say something encouraging. Um, but, yeah, anyway, that, the, that game, Sunderland, they were better than us. Uh, they bullied us. They were the press was good. The, um, the the referee was an absolute joke. But I'm sick of being experimented on. I feel like I'm, uh, the championship is an experimental league for these referees. And I'm sick of talking about referees. But yes, you're right. I agree with what you're saying, mate. We weren't very good. We didn't deserve to win the game. Um, we probably didn't deserve to get a point. But you still, and even Sunderland, even Sunderland, they have still got a right to expect better refereeing than that. Yeah. Even if they won the game. Offside for that first goal, ridiculous. You know, I mean, who are these referees? Who are these officials if they can't get that right? That, I think it, that, Madger, yeah, Madger, they foul on Madger. If that weren't a sending off, well, I don't know. If it's not a sending off, okay. So... Next time I watch a game and somebody scissors somebody and, and basically sits on their, I think it was his right ankle, so that he, he's got his toes in the ground and the player scissors him and sits basically, I think it was his thigh or near his butt, sat on his right shot, on his right ankle, Achilles. If that's that, I'm worried now that that has really stretched his Achilles tendon. If that's the case, it could be out for the rest of the season. Yeah, I just think he, he stays on the pitch and, you, and then scores the goal, Ballard or whatever his name is. He, and, and you know, you despair, you think, okay, we're very good. And I know there's a lot of people out there who'll say, oh, he's complaining about the referee again. As I noticed there's one or two people who specifically in their in their bio say that they, uh, they're pro referees and they're defending referees. Well, that's fine. There's no defending that sort of refereeing. Sorry, you've got to be honest. And it was poor. And yet we were poor. And we should have done better, but we didn't, and we lost again. Yeah, I, I feel like it doesn't. I don't want to diminish how poor the referee was, but I feel like we talked about it so much. Yeah, we, yeah. It's like, what else do you say? No, there's it nothing was, else was, to say. No, no, I'm, I'm not like I'm not trying to diminish what you're saying. You're right. The referee was really poor. He can't. He can't even say he was unsighted because I'm pretty sure in my in my mind's eye in my memory. The referee, he was right in front of the referee, that tackle was. was. He was facing that way, he was looking at it, and he was, he was only about 15 yards away. And now you can adjudge that to be a booking. It's just horrendous. It's just really poor refereeing. And I feel like we've talked talked about it ad nauseum, but it's just the state of refereeing is awful. I know the Premier League's having its real problems with VAR. I mean, how people can watch something back 
and still get it wrong shows the real incompetence that's going on here. You know, this is incompetence of the highest order. But yeah, it, it, it's a combination of two things. We were poor, but the referees, they really need to sort this this situation out because it, it's just not getting it. It's getting worse, in my opinion. I don't remember. I, I always know, you know, back years ago, there was always a controversy around, a, a you know, a penalty decision or the referee's decision. But now it, it seems to be constant. And it's not just at us. It seems every club. We all we want is consistency. I think to be fair, it shouldn't happen straight after the game. I know they talk to managers straight after the game. They talk to a few players straight after the game. I'm not saying I'm not advocating that we should uh, we should speak to referees straight after the game either when everybody's in their hot blood, if you like. But there should be some sort of respect given to supporters who paid their money to go and watch a game that a referee has affected, you know, in in a in a bad way. You know, I mean, I can remember as a young man playing football and the adage was you can always tell a good referee because you don't know he's on the pitch. And now it's the other way around. Yeah, struck, we don't, you know who the referee is all the time. You know, they, they struck around and then, and then they gleefully make a, a, a poor decision. And, of course, that's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. I accept it fully. But then you get no discourse no information after that at all. It's almost like, oh no, it didn't really happen. It's yeah, yeah. Does, does They're above reproach. But that's how it feels. As you say, we weren't very good, and it's a shame. It's a shame, and we've lost Majo now for could be the rest of the season. I mean, they still haven't come out with anything and said anything, have they? No, not that I were aware of. Um, I haven't heard anything um, about it yet, so I'll have to wait and see. Looking at the league, we are fifth. With 32 points, we're still two points clear of seventh. That gap is getting bigger between ourselves and Southampton. We're now six points adrift of Southampton, who are in fourth. We're over, in my opinion, with the position financially of the club, I think we are overachieving. I think Triple C is overachieving. And I just hope the injuries don't catch up with us and, uh, and we end up struggling in the second half of the season. But let's hear from Triple C. Let's hear what the genius, the uh, the king, Carlos, has to say. So he was talking to WBA.co.uk and he said, I think in general we didn't show a performance. I think we started the first half well and we found a way to break the press. But after that, the continuity and the last action of the move wasn't executed well enough. We could and should have used moments when we were dominating better. If you lose the ball against Sunderland in a bad position, you're going to suffer in the transition because there are a lot of good players who can go 1v1 and they create a lot of problems. Their wingers created more problems today for our fullbacks than our wingers created for their fullbacks. Very slowly, they were taking more and more control of the game. They produced a high level of energy which made it difficult for us. It's difficult in terms of injuries because the advice from the medical staff today was not to start with Brandon Thomas Asante and only let him play for the last 30 minutes. Josh Madger started and we wanted him to have a lot of time on the pitch. He received a massive foul, which is what happened last time against Bristol City. He has injured the same ankle. In life, you are going to face a lot of difficulty. We have to try and never get frustrated and you have to have an extra strong mentality to face these circumstances. The fact that Josh Madger has suffered an injury from the foul is painful for him and for us in terms of the situation we are with strikers. The referee decided the player who made the foul should stay on the pitch and carry on with the game. 
From that moment, we need to stay focused and defend the set piece better, which led to their opening goal. We can only control the things we can control. It's a very well-spoken, um, measured, measured response from Triple C, as always. Um, but yeah, I think he was quite frustrated that Ballard stayed on the pitch. To be fair to Ballard, he came out afterwards and you know sort of said, "Oh, oh it took a shine off the win or something along those lines." I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, I, I think. Really, it's um, it's just a poor decision from the referee, and he should have uh, he shouldn't be on the pitch after that tackle, in my opinion. He said um, took the shine off. It, that's that's nonsense. He did took the shine off the win for him. What it's done is it's just highlighted a a, a, a problem amongst referees. You know, Ballard has made a mistake there. I don't think he's maliciously tried to manage at all. What he's done is he's made a mistake which should have got him sent off, and who knows what happens after that. Anyway, I ain't going to say anything about referees again. The podcast is likely to be taken over by the <laughs> true <laughs> PG Mallaby contacted us and saying you can't be you can't be criticising our referees. Well, that's all right. I don't mind if they want to contact me. I'll have a quick word. <laughs> um, so let's uh, wrap a bow on the football game and let's move to more off-field things. Um, and we talked about injuries. One is Matty Phillips. Unfortunately, looks like he's going to be out for quite a while. Um, I can't remember what he's quoted as. It's 16 weeks or something like that. Really yeah. got the base yeah. of the majority of the season. Well, I read I read it's been 16 weeks, which is basically for nearly four months, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, he's not going to be back to the same Matty Phillips, I don't, I don't think, for the rest of the season because once he gets that injury layoff, then obviously he's got to go through sort of rehab and fitness and try to get himself back up to speed. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, what's it now? We're in... Early December, we're looking at what March time before he's back fit. And it, and like, like we said already, it's not a um, this isn't an isolated incident with him. But anyway, the reason I refer to him, get well better soon, Matt. I obviously I'll be, we don't want him injured, want him fit and far as soon as possible. Here he Seconded is that uh, Triple C's been talking about replacing him, talking about getting a uh, somebody in. What we? And this is what I want to talk about. But let's go through the article first. So it's Birmingham Mail to give them the credit. And they were talking to Triple C. So let's hear from him again. And he said, it's still early. We need to see our possibilities as a club and still need to see what happens before the market begins. We are going to play six games in a very demanding period of the competition. Now we need to replace Phillips. It's something nobody expected. And now it's happened. Things can still happen in that time, and Phillips is the clear example. With me, working in this club, I have continuous talks with the people of the club. I work day by day with Ian Pearce and Mark Miles, talking specifically about players I work with, Ian, a lot. We share thoughts in the squad, in growing of the players, in improvement and in the needs we have. There's not going to be a single day when we sit down and say, that one. I know Ian and his people sit and work in a lot of markets and there are a lot of possibilities. When the moment arrives, we will see what is our needs in that moment and our possibilities. We need to balance the two things. With the injury of Phillips, we must now watch our possibilities. A lot of things can happen between the market opening and closing before we can talk in detail. He obviously, the way he talks there might be a bit of money available I, I don't know um considering the well yeah considering the um 
considering the finances of the club and obviously we just took out another loan i don't know where it's coming from <laughs> maybe triple c is going to fund it maybe he's going to you know look down the back of the sofa and, and get a bit of money together but perhaps we're going to find the new Cyril regis well that'd be yeah. nice perhaps he's going to get four five grand of his own money they didn't want to sign him so we're I think uh, our manager at the time, which, and his bloody name escapes me, which is a disgrace, because I can't quite remember who it was now, um, said, well, I'll buy him myself then, and you can repay me. Uh, anyway, we did. Hayes, I, I think, come from it, the Eastman League or something like that. And uh, and anyway, the, the rest is history, isn't it, really? Yeah. Two kings, him, him, and, uh, him and Jeff, and a legend, the bomber. Yeah. Oh, I can't see much happening. It's going to be a loan, surely, or, or a free. Well... If cool. I can, if I can just, Mister Optimism, <laughs> I am not. <laughs> However, is this another little indicator? That another, something's coming. That something's stirring in January. Is it? You know, I mean, I, I, I am the eternal hoper that the club's not going to go bust. Really, you know, we're a, we're a piece of history, West Bromwich Albion, uh, and I just hope. That we're not going to go bust, and and so I, I suppose I, I sort of search uh, ceaselessly um, to try and find some optimism uh, with regards to the club at this horrible stage. You know, we we I can remember the last time we were in a similar situation, and we were saved at the death um, by a bit of excellent fortune and good management. And I'm just hoping for the same again because there are a few things happening um, that look like. I mean, for him to say this, we're looking to replace Phillips. Now, bear in mind the all of the news that's available to us through any medium that you can you care to look at. We are sort of taking more loans out so that we can exist. Um, and then suddenly he says, oh, we're looking to replace Phillips. Well, if that ain't incongruous with the situation I thought we were in, I don't know what is. So... I don't know. Perhaps it's, perhaps there is reasons to be optimistic. I don't know. Perhaps Triple C, and you would imagine Triple C would be in on a little bit more information than we are, um, if if that's even a possibility. So let's hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, it's like um, John Percy said in his tweet underneath his article, the hope is that the deal will be done by... Um, January, and he cited the Derby deal being done with 17, within 17 days. So let's hope, let's hope we come to January and we're all here celebrating that we've got new owners who give you know give the club some money and we can actually sign a player. That'd be exciting. We haven't done that for a little while. Um, well, we'll, well, we'll be here to talk about it if that's if it does, mate. Absolutely, pal. So let's go to have your say. Uh, thank you very much, firstly, Steve Hill on Twitter for his comment. He said, a day which started badly, steadily and got worse and finished off um, going downhill, one to forget. Absolutely. It was, I think he's referring to the Sunderland game. Um, obviously, the, the poor performance, the referee decision, Madger getting injured. I think it was just a, a bad day all round. And then let's go to Facebook. Mark Stevenson, thank you for your comment. He said, what takeover? Appeasement slash smokescreen from the club to quash A4A, etc. Interested parties are just that. Just because there are NDAs in place doesn't mean anything concrete. That extra reputed £7 million isn't going to go far, especially transfers add on interest 14%. As per the original loan, will we see out the season? And, Mark sounds uh, down. Mark sounds down, Donna. He sounds fed up. 
Well, um, I, mean, I, I can see where he's coming from. Obviously, it's concerning. Okay. And um, I think the problem is because of the NDAs and because of stuff like that, in my opinion, you're not going to hear anything until it's like, where well, you've got new owners. Um, so yeah. it's, you know, it's one of those things where you might wake up in the morning, open social media and see we've got new owners and everything's happened. But until that point, we are going to be kept in, in the, the dark, dark, aren't we? And um, I can understand his frustration. Obviously, yeah, no, okay. we've we've sort of you know expressed our concerns a couple of podcasts ago. Ali was kind enough to come on the podcast last week and talk about their side of things and, and what they're, th- they're feeling and thinking about the situation. But... Yeah, I can understand his 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 concern. Um, obviously, the extra loan we've already discussed is is worrying, um, and we're just all hoping, I suppose, that a new owner comes in and saves the day asap. Mark Stevenson is uh, uh, that comment from Mark is a bit of a case study in being an Albion fan at the minute. Yeah, you know, we're all we're all feeling that what Mark has just said, has just typed, or when he did type it, is, you know, we're, I am, I'm like it. Um, and I've, I think I've said so, I think I've voiced it before, like, you know, we are sort of, we're all feeling a little bit hunted at the moment as Albion fans, because you think, hang on, can anything else go wrong? And and he's, he's, he's I don't know, speaks for a lot of people, I would think, in, in that. Not that he's seeking to speak for other people, he's speaking for himself. But I'll bet you a lot of people can empathise with that. I know I can. Um, but again, I'll just reiterate very, very briefly what I just said about he's looking to replace Phillips. Uh, and there's one or two little things that are, that, are, that I pick up in my bloody ceaseless, minute sort of fingertip search uh, for optimistic things. And uh, there's one or two. So let's hope. Let's hope. And it's yeah. that that kills, of course. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that's all we can do right now. There's going to be, from from being one of the most constrained clubs, uh, I would say, um, restricted in their ambitions clubs at a high level in English football for so many years and doing well in spite of the ethos of the people in charge when we have, um, this is going to be... We are not constrained and restricted to the level that we have been for so long. We are going to be invested in appropriately, which is in appropriate investment is my one of my numerous mantras. You cannot run a football club with any ambition at all if you don't appropriately invest. And you could say that about any business that yeah. any owner of any business runs. If you don't appropriately invest, then you're not going to make progress, and in fact, you're going to go backwards, and that's an old an old adage as well. So let's talk about more off-field stuff. Um, just a little, a quick one, really, because to be fair, the club did rectify it, but it was a bit of a silly thing to do in the first place, and that's the Junior Baggies Christmas party. He came out uh, earlier in the week, uh, early, actually, sorry, last week, that they, um, it was basically a list of things, so like free parking on the East Stand car park, you know, entry to the event is through the East Stand reception, blah, 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 blah. But then one of the things that was said um, was at the bottom, it said that uh, players from the men's first team will only be permitted to sign merchandise purchased on the 19th of December. Proof of purchase must be shown at the East Stand reception before merchandise will be permitted into the event. 
Um, and it said underneath, please note, merchandise not purchased on Tuesday, 19 December, cannot be brought into the pie to be signed by the men's first team. And I saw that, and obviously it was doing the rounds on social media. And I just thought, what is this rubbish? Like, <laughs> it's the it's the baggies, you know, junior baggies Christmas party. They're obviously excited to see the players. And then you just lump this on the parents that they've got to, you know. So, for example, you've got a son or daughter at the start of the season. You know, they, you're taking them up the baggies. Oh, I'll get you a shirt or get you a whatever, you know, a polo top, you know, so you can support the uh, the team. And then you're forced with this to then have to buy another one on the day. Otherwise, the players won't sign it. Right. <laughs> I mean... We play yeah. by decisions like this, mate. I mean, you know, this. I don't know where this decision came from, but it was a ridiculous decision. Like I already mentioned, everyone on social media was like, you need to reverse this decision. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, it's junior thing, oh, baggies. It's junior yeah. baggies. And they, they, want to, they want to take their kids to the, the party. They've got two kids. So I've seen people with three kids. And you, but you've got to buy it on the day before anybody will sign it for you. Yeah. So it's basically, like, I mean, how much is a, how much is a, a shirt? Well, I mean, at least 50 quid now, isn't it, or you're, something? You're talking about knocking old in 60 quid, aren't you? So, yeah. well, you know, it, I think I saw something about 58 quid uh, the other day. Well, you know, that, and it's a bad one. And, yeah. but, but the plus side is, of course, that they've uh, quickly recognised the uh, awfulness of that. Yeah, so I think within, I think it was in 12 hours, the um, Mark Miles put a post out or put a sorry sent an email out just basically saying that they apologize wholeheartedly for the frustration and anger out of our recent email that it caused um and they reversed the decision which is fair enough because what i will say about it and and like i already mentioned fair play to the club for reversing it and well done to um action for albin and the other fans that contacted the club straight away and was like this is ridiculous is we want kids to be albion fans this is the future of West Bromwich Albion, you know, when yeah. we're, and, and this is another reason why we're trying to protect the club. I, I believe, you know, people like uh, Action for Albion and the fans is because we want a team for our children and children's children to be able to support. Mm. And what, what of a worse way <laughs> than to do that and dissuade them is to take them to a party where they meet Jed Wallace or Brandon Thomas Asante or one of these heroes and say, oh, sorry that your mom and dad didn't buy this, um, they didn't buy this shirt on the day, so you can't sign it. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, fair play to the club for reversing the decision, and I hope everyone has a good time at the party. Yeah, and a pat on the back for Mark Miles for sending that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, let's, he, yeah. Let's be positive about that for a change. I mean, he's 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 had a bit of uh, he's had a bit of stick, I think, um, since he's taken over the role that he does now. And uh, you know, let's give credit where it's due. You know, he sent it out there and he's communicated with us, and and he's let us know. So well done, uh, Mark Miles. So let's go to a bit of um, something a bit different. But I'll be honest, I quite enjoy this. And um, if anyone's listening, please let us know if you enjoy this because I quite doing these little like interviews with people. Not me personally, but I'll find these interviews online. And it's of a player who talks about their time at West Brom. Usually it's more recently in terms of the interview has been done within you know the last couple of days or whatever. But they're talking about when they were at West Brom before. We did it with Steve Bruce last week. And I know that... I have my frustration with Steve Bruce, but this week uh, I managed to find an interview with Curtis Davis and he was talking to Sky Bet and he was talking about his time at West Bromwich Albion. And I quite like doing these little, um, you know, little sort of talks about the past. Myself and John, quite a while ago now, 
we're doing episodes where we reviewed a season that we talked about. I think the the Gary Megson season we got promoted, the Great Escape, and stuff like that. And uh, I always enjoyed it. But anyway, let me know in the comments or let email me at um, allthingsalbumpodcast at gmail and just let me know what you think about these little interviews because I enjoy doing them and I enjoy talking to you about them. So anyway, sorry to uh, go off a little tangent there, but Curtis Day was talking to Sky Bet. And he was talking about his move from West Brom to Villa. So people remember, and I'm, ta- I'm trying to remember what season it was. I think it was when Tony Mowbray just first come in. And Curtis Davis was our captain. And we lost the playoff final. I'm doing this off memory now. And um, we lost the playoff final to Derby. And then Curtis Davis moved to Villa for around about, I want to say, nine million. Something like that. Um but anyway, this is what he had to say to Skybet. So he said it was a difficult move, move from West Brom to Aston Villa, simply because of why, the way it happened. It wasn't my finest moment as a player, but also had broken promises to me, so it was difficult. I would rather have left with all the blessings, but it wasn't to be. The actual move itself was a career move. Ultimately, I was able to move to a club that was still in Birmingham, so I wasn't having to make new friends and start all over again, but also moving to a club that had a core of good young English players. My move was justified in the fact that I was selecting Fabio Capello's first England 30-man squad, having only played nine games for Villa. That vindicated my move and why I did it. Um, and I think I'll I'll probably put a post out after this, just asking, you know, what did people think about Curtis Davis's time at uh, West Brom? Because I thought he was a good player. Uh, we buy a sign from Luton. I feel like it was Luton for three million or something like that. And um, I thought he was a good player, came in, and we were a bit disappointed when he left. I remember being at Wembley, and he came round and clapped the fans. And you said to me at the time, like, well, it's all well and good in clapping the fans, but he'll probably go <laughs> in the summer. And he did. Um, and I remember a little bit of frustration around the fan base because he went to, uh, to Villa, because obviously our local rivals. Um, but, yeah, I just thought... It was a shame at the time. I think that nine million was reinvested into the squad quite well. And this is completely from memory. So apologies if I'm wrong, but we had Mowbray as manager. We had a big turnover of players that season. Uh, I think we signed people like Brunty and Morrison in the close season. And then I think we won the league. So uh, that money was reinvested well and uh, it all worked out well for everybody in the end, pretty much. Indeed it did. Um, I think probably the greatest beneficiary was uh, Curtis Davis uh, financially probably I mean um, but yeah you, I think the knock-on effect from him leaving um, was very very positive uh, I think certainly the taste it left in my mouth was quite foul to be honest with you um, and and the reason he, he said for for leaving I know one of one of the quotes that I read at the time was the fact that he just needed to uh, to better, better himself, himself wasn't it yeah well, somebody says that about your club, who you've invested everything in, as far as you, you know, your everything you've got into that particular football club. When somebody says that about you, then I think it particularises the sort of thoughts you've got towards that individual. And um, and then, of course, after that, I think probably most Albion fans looked at his career after that and thought, yeah, okay, then you bettered yourself, didn't you? But having said that, of course. I'm not, I'm not, if he wanted to go, then I've been an advocate. If anybody wants to go, they should be allowed to go. And you should maximise the amount of money you get for them. And you should do it at a time when they're worth something. 
not do what Albion usually do and keep people and keep people and keep people and keep people until they're worth nothing. Mm. Uh, and, and then you don't get anything for them. Well, at least that didn't happen with Curtis and we got a good amount of money for him, which was appropriately invested. And we had a good manager as well. I mean, what on earth are Sunderland doing sacking Mowbray? When you consider how they played against us, we, we were fifth at the time. They were ninth, I think, at the time. Uh, and they basically played us off the park largely. Um, mm, I suppose they it's his put, team. Their, their, their own, yeah, but their own is good point. And so while it worked because we've sacked the manager and, and had a, an instant bounce. Yeah, and I'd, I know what I'd say to that. It begins with a B. And, but it's... it's um, Brilliant I decision. Think, <laughs> and ends in an X. Um, I, no, I, I, you know, I, 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 like I said, uh, I remember at the time I was, oh God, I was furious. Um, and, uh, it, but as you said, there were good results uh, as a result of it. So we made something unpleasant and turned it into something really good, which was, a, which was nice being a baggies fan. Yeah. I think this is a time when, we got good prices for players. I mean, I remember Diamancy Kamara. I'm sure he went to Fulham. I want to say he went to Fulham. And we got good money for him. I remember thinking, oh, you know, I think it was like £7 million, which obviously this was, you know, a while ago. Um, of course, we can't get that now, can we, for players? No, and it, yeah, we used to get, you well, know. we did. Inflate, you, I would feel like inflated prices. Like, obviously, if it was £9 million for um, Davis or somewhere around that mark, you know, that was good. It was nine, I think. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you're right. Nine point two million or something like that. Yeah, and uh, well, it says the fee was undisclosed, but reported between eight and eleven million. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. I think really looking at it back, looking back now, he's in the ascendancy. But yeah, I just wanted to tell that little trip round memory lane. Um, I mean, I think Curtis Davis is still playing. I think he plays for Cheltenham now. Um, so yeah, obviously was at Derby. Um, when they went through that sort of resurgence under Rooney and uh, Rosinha as his assistant didn't work out in the end, but yeah, so yeah, just a little side note. He's had a career, um, mate. He's had a, he's had a decent career as a footballer, you know. He's yes, he and you know, and longevity with it. So you know, well done. Fair play. Yeah. So let's look forward to our next game. We're playing Rotherham tomorrow night, seven forty-five away oh and also a correction uh last week i said that we were playing sunderland at home obviously we weren't we were playing away we we're playing at stadium alight so apologies for that but like for some reason i thought we we're playing at home we're playing rotherham away uh 7 45 kickoff uh so like i said tomorrow night tuesday night <sighs> i feel like we own one they beat us last season jordan hugel scored two um that was depressing <laughs> um feel like we really need to uh Get a win. They're he gives struggling. a penalty as well, don't they? Yeah, so he missed an absolute sitter. And then gave he us a penalty. Give us a penalty. So you think, well, this is a Jordan Hugel masterclass in action. But we somehow managed to uh, better that and let him score two goals. It was really poor defending, if I remember correctly. But yeah, so Rotherham are currently sat rock bottom of the league, equal on points on Sheffield Wen- uh, with Sheffield Wednesday. They are eight points adrift of safety. We've got to be winning this game, and we need to really. I mean, the other thing I saw was that um, you know we were losing two games back to back very rarely happens under Triple C, um, under Steve Bruce. It seemed like a regular occurrence, but under Triple C, it's not. Obviously, I don't think we're in any sort of a crisis or anything to be concerned about. Love Triple C wanting to be our manager for the next 
25 years if he wants to be um but we really need to try and get back on track and uh, a game against a club like Rotherham no respect to them but we uh, we need to be winning these games and and hopefully winning well really don't we this game if you think about it we've just lost two games on the trot for the first time for a long time um uh and so this game should be a gift it's a gift for a team that has struggled in the last, well we haven't struggled particularly i don't i think we've i think we've shown signs that we're a decent team but it, it if there's a if there's a problem with bta now so that he can only play the last 30 minutes and now we've lost major as well well we've, and we have get your boots just, steve you're up front oh no mate I, yeah <laughs> i think well i'll say nothing about that really but apart from laugh um but to be honest, yeah, we, it's a gift. What we need to do is we need to go out there and dominate possession, impose our game on it, the way Triple C wants us to play, playing out from the back, keeping the ball, moving it smartly, brilliant moving off the ball, uh, and, and getting into the final third and getting into the penalty area and scoring a few goals. And if we can do that, that will sort of like put the cap on perhaps the last couple of three games that we've had, you know, losing against Southampton 2-1, losing against Leicester 2-1, and then uh, losing uh, to Sunderland 2-1. You know, that, those are my memories at the moment. Uh, so what we need to do is clear those memories out of the supporters' uh, minds and put a nice win against Rotherham in there. Yeah, absolutely. So it just leaves me to say uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to support the podcast, the best way you can do that is by following on your podcast platform of choice whatever you're listening to my voice on right now if you uh, hit subscribe or follow it is really appreciated and share the poddy with a friend if you've got a friend who's a baggies fan and wants to listen to two baggies fans moan about the albion send them our way uh, it is really appreciated but yeah just leaves me to say thank you everybody for listening thank you for your time steve let's hopefully get this win against rotherham and start the march towards the new year and hopefully have new owners that'd be lovely wouldn't it but yeah anyway thanks again mate boing 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 mate, come on all you baggies. <laughs> <laughs>